to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this special episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where I'm sitting down with content matter experts who are presenting at this year's mid-year clinical meeting and are going to give listeners a sneak peek at their educational sessions. My name is Gift Wake, and I'm the Manager for Medication Use and Pharmacoeconomics at Novant Health. And joining me for today's episode is Don Moore, Clinical Oncology Manager at Atrium Health, Kate Coucher, Manager of Oncology and Infusion Services at UC Health, and Carrie Oxensis, Pharmacogenomics Clinical Pharmacist at Fredert Health. Welcome and thanks for joining us today. Let's start with Don and Kate. Can you give us an overview of your presentation on oncology stewardship? Of course. So Don and I are presenting along with Jason Bergs-Bacon, a session called Not Just for Antimicrobials, Implementing Oncology Stewardship into Practice. This was a collaboration between the three of us, and it was a proposal that was developed through the Emerging Sciences SAG. And we're all in leadership positions at our various respective institutions. So Don is in North Carolina, I'm in Colorado, and Jason's in Wisconsin. And so it really covers a great geographical diversity, and all of us have really done our fair share in implementing and also publishing on our oncology stewardship initiatives. So what exactly is oncology stewardship? What should the audience be expecting in this session? There's various types of stewardship in pharmacy practice. We all have heard of antimicrobial stewardship, of course, but there's also opioid stewardship, antithrombotic or hemostasis stewardship, blood factor stewardship, IVIG stewardship, et cetera. So when we think about oncology stewardship, it's a fairly recently coined term, and there's a few working definitions out there, but essentially it's a set of measures and coordinated strategies used to improve the use of anti-cancer drugs to enhance patient outcomes, reduce financial toxicity, and then optimally address the needs of patients with cancer. And so in our session, we'll go through various examples of oncology stewardship initiatives and how we've approached those at our different institutions. What different types of oncology stewardship initiatives will you be discussing in this session? Yeah, so I can take this question. Thanks, Gift. So we're going to cover a wide variety of different types of oncology uh, stewardship initiatives. First, we're going to start off with dose rounding of chemotherapy and biologics. And then we're going to transition over to implementing biosimilars in clinical practice. And finally, I'm going to have a very robust discussion on site of care restrictions, how managing formulary of restrictions of inpatient versus outpatient, as well as transitioning some historically inpatient chemotherapy regimens into the outpatient setting. So we'll really be unique in the session that after each oncology stewardship topic, we're going to conduct a panel discussion to converse on how we actually implemented some of these programs at our respective institutions, the challenges that we have faced, and what some other future directions may hold with oncology stewardship with the changing landscape of cancer therapeutics. So there's going to be a lot of polling questions throughout, and really we are hoping for a very engaging and interactive session with everyone. Great. This session will be on Sunday, December 4th from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Mark your calendars. Moving on to our next topic, oncology clinical gem session. What is the oncology clinical gem session and how is a gem different from a pearl? The clinical gems is a session that I'm really looking forward to. You know, you think about the clinical pearls, which is typically a five minute very brief topic. And the gems are going to be 20 minutes. So gems are a little bit bigger than pearls. And so this is a session that's going to consist of four gems, one presented by myself, another by uh, Carrie Oxensis, 
and then also gems from Sandra Quiar at the University of Chicago and Sarah Hayes at North Memorial Health Hospital in Minnesota. Um, this is all going to be moderated by Eve Siegel at Fred Hutchison Cancer Center in Seattle. So this session has really an excellent cast of oncology pharmacists. We're going to be covering a wide variety of interesting topics in oncology. And there's also going to be actually another podcast from ASHP delving into the gems a little bit more from both myself as well as my co-presenters. And can you tell us a little bit more about your particular gem? Of course. So my gem will be an overview of antibody drug conjugates used in cancer therapy, what they are, what they are used for, and some of their unique associated toxicities. So certainly being a part of the emerging sciences SAG, antibody drug conjugates, while not a brand new molecular entity, they are definitely becoming more emerging. We're certainly having more get approved by the FDA. We've had a few ADCs over the years, again, a major surge recently, and really we have ADCs pretty much across the board for solid tumor and hematologic malignancies. We won't discuss the approval of data and the efficacy of these agents. Um, that's a lot more than what can really be covered in 20 minutes, but we'll discuss some overview of what these agents are, what they are approved for, and some of their really unique toxicities. It is really becoming a different time in cancer therapy. Many of these agents can cause the typical types of chemotherapeutic side effects, you know, neutropenia, thrombocytopenia, GI toxicity that we've all come to know and expect with chemotherapy. But some of these agents have some very different types of adverse events that we have not been most accustomed to, such as ocular toxicity and interstitial pneumonitis. So I will plan to talk through some of these unique challenges, monitoring parameters, and REMS programs associated with some of these newer age. Somehow all in 20 minutes, but it is going to be, I think, a great session of a lot of different topics in oncology. Wonderful. Well, thanks for that. This exciting and dynamic session will be on Wednesday, December 7th at 8 a.m. For our last session preview on genomics and health literacy, we'll be speaking with Carrie. In her role as clinical pharmacogenomics pharmacist, Carrie routinely meets with patients and their caregivers to provide medication education on new therapy started in the rare cancer and precision medicine clinic. To get us all on the same page, Carrie, can you explain what precision medicine is? Sure. Precision medicine looks at genetics, environment, and lifestyles of a person in order to select treatments that could work best for them. This term is generally considered interchangeable with personalized medicine or individualized medicine. You'll see these terms used all over. And for pharmacists, this is especially important because when medications are impacted by a variation in an individual's genes, this is what's known as uh, pharmacogenomics and is very pertinent to our clinical practice. Let's talk about your upcoming presentation called Cracking the Code, Genomic Literacy for Patients and Providers. Why is genomic literacy an important topic for pharmacists? I am really excited to present this topic. I am working with Dr. Brianna Amundsen, who is a oncology pharmacist at the Mayo Clinics in Rochester, Minnesota. And low health literacy in general is a problem in the United States. Um, and with more genomic testing being ordered over the last decade, it's just added another layer of complexity to an already challenging situation. So genomic literacy is defined as the capacity to obtain, process, process understand and really use genomic information for health related decision making in addition genomic literacy for all of us 
as patient care providers really has a significant impact on the successful application of new innovative practices such as precision medicine and applying pharmacogenomics to patient care. It's also really critical to be able to recognize when a patient might not be understanding information you're discussing with them. And this really goes for all medication education sessions with pharmacists. Our hope with this presentation is to increase awareness of potential gaps we have in genomics literacy and review some key terms and concepts. We also talk a lot about patient counseling techniques and word choices in our presentation. Well, tell us about some of the real-life challenges you've seen as a pharmacist when interacting with patients and needing to discuss information related to medications and genomics. One of the biggest challenges for patients that you know I experience in my daily practice is learning and understanding the terminology, all of these new words. Studies have shown that recognition of words describing genetics and genomic testing and really understanding what they mean is the first step to increasing genomic health literacy and being able to use that information to make decisions about their own care. A pharmacy-specific example word is metabolism. So when pharmacists talk about drug metabolism, we're referring to how enzymes break down medications in the body. But when a layperson hears the word metabolism, they might think first of food and caloric intake and weight management. So choosing the correct words and really doing that level setting needs to happen to make sure that everyone is on the same page. And can you give us a sneak peek into some of the skills mid-year attendees will walk away with after your presentation? Absolutely. Brianna and I are hoping that our use of real-world example cases and providing tips for communication with patients and providers will be very helpful. We walk through potential wording choices or what we call word swaps. For example, instead of using the word pharmacogenomics with patients, different groups have found that patients don't know what that means. You could consider medications in your DNA or even drugs in your genes. We also walk through some of that standardized medical terminology that providers need to know, especially when discussing phenotypes and how to use that when documenting interventions or communicating with providers. So we really hope that there'll be some great real-life examples everyone can take away and different tips and tricks for patient and provider education. Well, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, be sure to mark your calendars for Wednesday, December 7th from 3.45 to 5 p.m. to learn about this very impactful topic. Well, listeners, we've reached the end of our episode. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us today to tell us about their exciting content at the mid-year clinical meeting. Be sure to register so that you can attend the live presentations that you've heard about today and subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more topics on innovation, leadership, therapeutics, and more. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.